Welcome to the Lab Rats Podcast. You are now entering the maze. Today is all about coffee. Aaron and I love coffee. Probably seen his post about it on Instagram. And so uh, today we, we really want to cover uh, all things coffee. So we're going to talk about coffee for longevity, coffee for cognitive function. We'll talk about how we make our own coffee. And then for the first time, we're doing listener Q&As. We posted something on Instagram, got some great questions. And so we're going to try to start doing that uh, moving forward, tease the episode a little bit, get you know some questions out there. Like, what, what, what do you guys want to hear on this topic? So we'll, uh, we'll do listener Q&As at the end. And yeah, this should be a good one. Yeah, so we're going to look at basically like the some of the four or five main benefits of coffee. Uh, first of all, the, the the first thing here is that coffee is like a natural substance. It's it's very it's one thing. It's just a coffee bean is all it is. Interesting tidbits here is that coffee is actually like the second most traded commodity in the world. That is next to crude oil. Um, and it's also the second most uh, consumed drink in the world next to water. Uh, it's not grown in the states here. It's only it can only be grown in the tropics due to the climate it needs to be in. Uh, this the only states it is grown is grown in is Hawaii and a little bit in California, but mainly Hawaii and the tropics is where it is grown. And uh, coffee is actually it's actually a fruit. Uh, that's where it originates from. It grows on like a coffee tree or a coffee uh, shrub. And it, there's things on it, fruits that grow on this shrub called uh, cherry. They call them just cherries. They're called coffee cherries. And it is the seed of that fruit that ends up being essentially our coffee. So when you buy coffee, when you, when you buy whole bean coffee, you're consuming just basically the remnants of that coffee cherry seed. That's, that's all it is. It's a, it's a natural substance. And uh, fortunately, it has some good nutrients and some antioxidants that come with it. Um, before I go into that, I, I wanted to talk about, uh, I actually tried to, to grow a coffee plant once. Uh, you can buy them like at any, I don't know, like Meyer has them. You can buy them at a store. I didn't know that. They're That's mainly cool. decorative. They're not meant to like, you're not meant to like grow it and harvest it. It's, it's mainly decorative. But I wanted to like grow it. My goal was to just to make one single cup of coffee out of this tree. And obviously, like it's not the climate for it. It can't grow in the United States, but you can you can get some uh, seeds to grow or some some fruits mm. to, to bud on a tree here. So, yeah, it, it, the these little trees can produce fruit. But um, so I, I had mine for about two to three years. I had like a, a specific soil for it. I would fertilize it. I'd like aerate the soil like every month. Um, I had a grow light for it. So during oh, the, wow. like the winter months, it would still grow. Um, I had it for two to three years. And then we got Nala, which is our, our golden retriever. And she like knocked it over once, knocked some leaves off, whatever, fixed it up. And then one day we came home and she absolutely like destroyed it. The... Um, dirt was everywhere the leaves were off of it there was literally just one, one <laughs> single leaf left on the coffee plant and i have a picture of it it's pretty funny she's just like sitting right next to it and there's just a single leaf so wow um after two to three years of work i did not get my coffee to grow so that's a bummer anyway coffee has some good 
good nutrients, good antioxidants. And we're not going to go deep in on this. Um, we're briefly going to compare this to actually tea later on in the episode, but some of the nutrients in coffee is like B, B2, B3, magnesium, potassium, and then it has some antioxidants, polyphenols that, um, are good for us. It's, uh, we talk about this a little bit in like our wine episode a while back about the, the beneficial polyphenols found in wine, similar to the stuff found in coffee. Now, I, you wouldn't really drink coffee for the nutrients specifically. It's not, it's not like jacked with this nutrients and it's not like you should drink coffee just for the nutrients alone, but it's just a little perk that comes along with drinking the coffee is you get a little bit of, a little bit of vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. Um, but why don't you go into Andy, some of the, the benefits that come along with, um, the, the health benefits that come along with drinking coffee. Yeah. So I think one of the most commonly cited benefits of drinking coffee is longer lifespan. Every few weeks, I feel like I see an article that comes out about how coffee can make you live longer. It'll increase your lifespan. And there have literally been like over a thousand studies on this, uh, almost all of which have found a strong direct association between coffee consumption and mortality risk. So the, like the reduced risk of death. And we're talking about straight black coffee, not a cappuccino or a mocha or a frappuccino from Starbucks. By the way, did you know that Starbucks has frappuccino trademarked? Really? Like the name frappuccino? Yeah. I thought it was like a type of <laughs> mixed coffee, but it's, it's like a Starbucks specific mm. thing. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I did not know that. No, I should know that as a former Starbucks barista. <laughs> but I did not. And I, uh, I was just perusing around the Starbucks website, and I was curious as to what the sugar content of a peppermint white chocolate mocha was. <laughs> Seventy-four grams of sugar. Holy crap! It's insane. Wow. Oh, that reminds me. I might have. I may have mentioned this already on an episode. But yeah, so I was a, I was a barista for like a year at Starbucks in college and I, you know, got crazy requests for, for various drinks that people wanted to customize. And the, the worst one I got was a, I'm trying to think of what it was, but it was a, a venti, uh, latte, I believe with made with heavy cream. So okay. I think a venti is 20 ounces, um, and then it has two, I believe Venti has two shots in it, which a shot's like an ounce. So you have like two ounces of espresso, 18 ounces of heavy cream, which if you know what heavy cream is, it is like, it is thick and dense. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's basically like, yeah, half and half, I guess. And they had 12 pumps of mocha syrup. 12 pumps. And that's sugar. That's sugary syrup. That's what it is. Yeah. It, I, I calculated it out at the time and it was like an insane amount of sugar and fat. It like, it was just like, it, it made me sick just to make that drink. Yikes. And how many times like did that person probably get, that was probably their regular or they were just having Fortunate, a bad day. I think it was, it was only once. So who, who knows? It could have killed them. Um, yeah. But no, there are people, regulars who had just the worst drinks that would come in every day. And yeah, I bet. Um, yeah. So for, for these longevity studies, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about just straight black coffee. So the past several years of observational research seems to show um, the same results regarding coffee consumption and long longevity. A lot of these studies show consistent results. Those that consume coffee on a regular basis in general have a longer lifespan and reduced uh, risk of death. Now, 
we've talked about this on here before, but anytime you're looking at observational data, so we, you're looking at, at just groups of data of varying populations um, over a period of time, it's important to consider the lifestyle of the population being observed. And I think this is sometimes a limitation in studies like this, like researchers may find a benefit associated with a specific activity, but because they are only looking at one population, the benefit may be in fact due to another unique lifestyle factor of that specific population, as opposed to the specific activity being studied. So all that is to say when using observational data to draw conclusions, I think it's really important to look at data from a wide variety of populations. And that is really what is pretty compelling about the research on coffee. These longevity benefits seem to transcend other lifestyle factors. So perhaps the most comprehensive research on this is a pair of studies that was published in 2017. One was looking at 10 European countries, like over 500,000 people over the course of 16 years. And they found a, a statistically significant inverse association between coffee drinkers and all cause mortality, meaning that those who consumed coffee on a regular basis lived longer. And I think it was like over that 16 year period, there was a reduced risk of death of 12% for coffee drinkers over non coffee drinkers for men, 7% for women. And that includes people who smoked, drank alcohol, had lower than average vegetable intake, they tracked all that. And even with those things, those that drank coffee had, had a reduced risk of death by uh, or reduced mortality rate by 12%. And then if they actually like, if you take out like the smokers, that was that those percentages were 22% and 12% for wow. men and women. Interesting. Yeah. And so what's interesting is that for these 10 European countries, the results did not vary by country, like the same trends, the same data kind of presented itself in the same way across all these countries. Uh, also worth noting in a lot of studies like this, where they're just looking at, um, collection of data, sometimes you'll see that these studies are funded by a specific industry. Egg studies are, are big like that. When we did a episode on, did we do an episode on eggs or cholesterol? I don't know. Yeah, I was doing cholesterol. some research on eggs and like all of them were, are, were funded by the egg industry. This, these studies were not funded at all by the coffee industry. Hmm. Now that was just your Euro European countries, but. Uh, what about other countries or, or other people groups? So there was another one uh, published at the same time. I think it was the same group of people that did the study, looked at 185,000 African-Americans, Native Hawaiians, Japanese-Americans, Latinos, and whites. So wide, wide group of people with different diet and lifestyle. And they found pretty much the exact same thing. One cup of coffee per day was associated with a 12% reduction uh, in mortality risk. Two to three cups was associated with an 18% reduction. Mm. Yeah, so basically across these different ethnic groups, there was this inverse association between coffee and longevity. Uh, but although I will say there's an exception to that, native Hawaiians did not reach statistical significance. Don't know why that is, it's a little odd, but um, and this inverse association again was seen in people that smoked, didn't smoke, uh, younger and older participants. So, so yeah, I, I feel like this is, is really interesting and it, and it lends itself to, to the question, like why, you know, why do you have this 
like increased in, in longevity over so many studies, over so many different populations, but you can't really do a, you know, a, a 20 year randomized control trial on coffee. That, that study will never happen, but it is encouraging to see that uh, we see this data across all, all these different groups. So there have been uh, some explanations for why this may be the case. And, and this kind of moves me into the second, second claim, which you've probably seen when, if you've read any articles on coffee about how coffee may reduce the risk of Parkinson's disease, cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, liver disease, depression. Well, it's also been discovered that there's a strong association between coffee consumption and inflammatory markers. And as we've talked about here on here a lot, most of these chronic conditions are driven by excess inflammation, like almost all chronic illnesses. And, and, and studies have shown that those that drink coffee have a reduction in inflammatory markers. Uh, there was a study, a pretty comprehensive study in 2015 that measured like 77 inflammatory markers between those that drank coffee and those that didn't and found that coffee drinkers had a, a much lower, much lower levels of inflammation than those who didn't drink coffee. And then there, there was a, uh, some research done by Stanford. I think this was released like back in 2017 and they found that the caffeine specifically in coffee and the metabolites in coffee offset some of the inflammatory mar markers associated with age-related illnesses. Basically, regular coffee consumption can reduce the, these inflammatory markers that are really causing chronic diseases, which are causing early death. So um, it, that's one theory behind you know, wh why caffeine intake has seemed to reduce the risk of Parkinson's disease. It, ha it has this neuroprotective effect by reducing uh, inflammation in the brain. Um, so it's, it's really, really interesting. I mean, we don't, again, have like randomized control trials on, on coffee and longevity specifically, but, but these studies just keep confirming over and over again, kind of the, the benefits towards longevity. And there's actually one, there was ran, one randomized control trial that showed a reduction in DNA damage uh, after consuming coffee for four weeks. And so ba basically the, the regular coffee consumption of, of a dark roast coffee, I think is what they were using, um, had a protective effect on, on DNA integrity in both men and women. So thought that was interesting as well. But basically kind of the, the whole philosophy or the theory here is chronic inflammation is the cause of most chronic illnesses, which is the cause of early death. If you can cut that inflammation back, which coffee seems to do, you may be able to extend your lifespan. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, do they know what specifically about the coffee is uh, correlated to longer longevity? Because like I mentioned, like the nutrients in coffee are like, you know, vitamin B2, B3, magnesium, potassium. It's obviously none of those. And plus, like, it's just really trace amounts of that in coffee. You know, there, there's antioxidants and polyphenols, which could correlate to that. But it seems like uh, caffeine may be the the primary contributing factor here. Yeah, I think I think caffeine is big. The they referred to it as what they thought was uh, caffeine and then uh, metabolites, which are in coffee, and I think in tea as well. Like theophylline is a metabolite found in coffee that's also found in tea. Uh, theobromine, which is also in chocolate uh, and in coffee, so um, a combination of, of caffeine and these metabolites that are in those beans seem to to be kind of the uh 
offset the effects of inflammation. Okay. Yes, I, I did want to touch on caffeine a little bit more in depth because um, that's that's probably one of the main reasons people drink coffee in the first place. Uh, coffee is, it, you know, it boosts your cognitive function. It makes you more alert. It, if you're tired, it, it, it wakes you up. And that's why people, a lot of people, that's the reason they drink coffee. Uh, caffeine is a, it's a stimulant. It's a, it's a psychoactive drug and th the most widely consumed psychoactive drug in the world, primarily through coffee and other things like pop and uh, tea, chocolate, but primarily through coffee. Um, and the, the reason this uh, affects our, our brain or our energy level, our energy levels is, is very interesting. So I don't know if we mentioned this before in the podcast, but caffeine, I, I'm going to mention like adenosine and, and how that factors into the brain because caffeine directly affects adenosine in our brain. Mm -hmm. Adenosine is essentially a chemical in our brain that it, it builds up throughout the day. And it's thought to be the primary reason why we, why we get extremely tired as the day progresses. Adenosine builds up in the brain and it gets so. It's like, it's like this adenosine pressure almost. Exactly. And you get, um, by the end of the day, it's, it's so intense that you, you have to sleep. And then as you sleep, that adenosine, um, is basically purged from the brain. So you wake up fresh without any in the brain. And then the cycle continues. So it's basically adenosine. Think of it as a chemical um, that builds up through the day that makes us tired. And um, how caffeine actually works is it, it looks to the brain very similar to adenosine. Caffeine binds to the adenosine receptors. So rather than basically uptaking the adenosine, it uptakes the caffeine in its place. And rather than causing drowsiness, it has the exact opposite effect. So the, the adenosine stops building up and caffeine takes its place, which has a effect on the brain that causes us to, to have energy, to, uh, be cognitively sharp, to be, um, have better memory and just function better cognitively. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how it works. Um, and we had some listener questions on caffeine, which we'll touch in, touch on here in a moment, but, um, it, yeah, just interesting how, how, how much of a, an impact caffeine has potentially on longevity, on Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. Uh, I know it's uh, has impact on on depression. A lot of antidepressants have caffeine in it as well. Mm -hmm. So caffeine can certainly, I, th I think it's overused in our society, but there are certainly some some incredible benefits from it. Yeah, I mean the cognitive function is probably one that almost everyone has noticed when they take caffeine, right? Is that little boost in, um, in awareness in reflexes. I mean, that's, that's primarily why due to what you just explained the interaction with adenosine. Yeah. Yeah. So basically just to summarize there, like coffee, coffee is a completely natural substance. It, it has vitamins and minerals. It's got antioxidants in it. Um, it can, it's linked to, or there's a, a correlation to enhanced longevity, assuming you're drinking just black coffee, not coffee filled with a bunch of other stuff as well. And it has caffeine, which is a, uh, it's a stimulant. It boosts cognitive function. So there are, there are a lot of great benefits to coffee, but let's get into some of our, our listener Q and A. So we had quite a few questions here that we want to touch on. Um, so 
Do you want to take the first one that you uh, that you had? Yeah, uh, these were really great questions. Mm-hmm. I, we had the the most questions we had were on mold in coffee. So you, you may have heard if you've done any reading on like coffee quality or clean coffee that you know coffee may contain mold. And uh, you know people were asking, oh, what should I look for in coffee quality? You know what, you know what kind of things should I avoid? So these are great questions. So the claim with all these clean coffee brands is that there are uh, there is mold or mycotoxins in conventional coffee. And just to clarify, like some of these brands, just to give you insight ahead of time, is like Keon Coffee, Bulletproof Coffee, uh, Natural Force. I think those are three of the most popular that I'm a, I'm aware of. They don't really sell them in stores too often. You don't really see them on the shelves, but they're pretty popular on, on Instagram and online and market themselves as being like the ultra clean coffee. Yeah. And so just to back it up a step, you know, most people probably know what mold is. It's a type of fungus that grows and feeds on organic material, wood, fabric, and especially food. Well, mycotoxins are a toxic byproduct of mold. And it's really the reason mold is bad for humans. And it's widely accepted that that mold and the resulting mycotoxins are not good for humans. Many different types of mycotoxins out there. I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole. We could do a whole episode on it. I'll just put some links in the show notes uh, to the risk of mycotoxins, but it, it's widely accepted by most people and actually by pretty anybody legitimate that mycotoxins are, are not good for humans. So the question is not whether mycotoxins are bad, but more of a question of does the coffee I'm drinking contain it and does it contain it in harmful amounts? So is mold in coffee valid concern? Uh, there, there are several studies that have actually looked into the contents of many popular coffee brands and have found that a decent chunk of them uh, do contain mycotoxins. Now, there are several mycotoxins. I won't go through all of them here, but some that you may see either discussed on these clean coffee brand sites or in these studies is aflatoxin B1 or ochratoxin A. Uh, those are just a, a couple of them. But there, were, there was one study that looked at 103 coffee samples across Europe and found that 96% of them contained at least six mycotoxins. Um, 61% contained between 10 and 12 mycotoxins. But the interesting part about it is that only 4.8% had mycotoxins in in enough quantities that exceeded the maximum limit. Uh, Now, some of these mycotoxins are regulated, some are not. um, But their overall conclusion was that these mycotoxins were present in almost every coffee, but not in harmful amounts. Uh, and this is the same with a lot of studies. I came across several studies that basically came to this conclusion. Yes, there are several mycotoxins in coffees. Um, roasting coffee seems to reduce the mycotoxin content, um, but really in general, most have a mycotoxin content below uh, like the recommended limit or, or you know, below a harmful limit. Um, so, my kind of takeaway with this is it, it's all about reducing your toxic load. And that's that phrase has been thrown around a lot, but look, every day we are exposed to toxins. The, the air we breathe may contain it, cleaners and soaps we use, food we eat, like if we burn food, that that may deliver some uh, some toxins that, that aren't good for us. You know, many foods contain mycotoxins, beer, wine, chocolate, really kind of anything related to grains or, or beans. Um, you know, aluminum and our deodorant, parabens and soap, like any one isolated use of these things, I don't think would cause cause a whole host of, of medical issues unless you 
you have a sensitivity or an allergy, which some people do, but it's the accumulation of these things that, that leads to problems. So I think the real benefit of a mold-free coffee is that it's just one additional way to reduce the toxins that your body has to bear. There are also maybe mold in your coffee maker. So make sure you're cleaning that out on a regular basis. But to answer the question, should you avoid, is it worth buying the clean coffee? Really, that's up to you. It probably depends on your toxic load in other aspects of your life. It may also depend on your underlying conditions. Like if you have a chronic illness and your body is already utilizing all of its resources to fight that disease or that illness, it doesn't need another invader to fend it off. So, you know, finding little ways to reduce toxins in your life may be a good way and coffee could be a way to, to do that. So obviously, regardless of who you are, reducing your, your toxic load is important. So if you have access to clean coffee that you can afford, uh, I, I would consume that instead of conventional coffee brands. But if you don't have access to it or you can't afford it, because it, it is expensive, it's not cheap, um, then maybe trying to clean up, clean up your life in, in other areas of your life. And you can also test your toxins. So there's a mycotoxin test that you can take. I believe you can order this for yourself. I, I'll put a link in the show note to two places you can get tested. I've never done it. Uh, the, the first one is $3.99, second one's $3.25, so it's not cheap, but it'll tell you uh, kind of what what your, I guess your mycotoxin load is uh, in relative to a, a healthy range. So that may be worth uh, exploring if you're concerned about it. But but there are some there are some good brands like Aaron said, uh, Keon is one, uh, Natural Force is one and and the thing i like about natural force is that they actually they actually disclose their third-party testing so you can actually go look at it um, i wasn't able to find that for keon and a couple of the other clean coffee brands i wasn't able to get third-party testing now keon i love keon i've posted on instagram several times it's my favorite coffee um, it tastes so good but it's expensive so i don't get it um, all that often but uh what are some what are some other brands out there Isogenex, I think is one. I don't know if that's how you say it. I-S-A-G-E-N-I-X, Peak Performance, uh, Kicking Horse, and then Bulletproof is another. That was kind of like the first clean coffee or claimed clean coffee. Do you have any, do you want to get into kind of the, maybe the issues with Bulletproof? <laughs> um, I don't know too much, too much history on it, but yeah, I think they're, they mainly kicked this off. I think they started all of this and they, there's an article that we can post in the show notes that basically just kind of honestly like rails on Bulletproof and, and the claims they make because they say that they have this like uh, patented, 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 why can't I say that? <laughs> patented process of, of cleaning coffee, of processing it to get rid of like all the toxins. And basically it's just the process that every other like, processing company uses. Um, I think actually like Joe Rogan had a partnership with Bulletproof back in the day, back in like 2015, I think they had a partnership, I think on it and Bulletproof, I think on it sold Bulletproof. And then, um, they did, uh, then on it did some testing. They like, they sent in some samples of like Starbucks coffee and some Bulletproof coffee. And they found that, uh, both had, <laughs> had some, no, not both had, both did not have any toxins in it. The Starbucks, the conventional Starbucks and the Bulletproof. Oh, um, interesting. So they were, they both came back clean and they, they, they dropped their sponsorship with them just mm. by basically thinking that they're kind of making false claims and overblowing it. And, um, 
I, you know, I personally think that they do. They definitely overhype it. I, I, yeah, I think they overhype it a little bit. It's for me personally, it's not worth the cost. Most of these companies run at like $25 per 12 ounce bag. Mm-hmm. A 12 ounce bag is basically like the, the bag you see at a, a grocery store, the little, just a normal, normal size coffee bag. That's 12 ounces. Um, you're a, a Starbucks branded one, um, costs around seven fifty, and then you know cheaper ones are you know you can get from five dollars four dollars but these are, are 25 dollars for a bag for these clean brands 250 for cafe cafe boost 250 for a bag so i'm like <laughs> it's it's dirt cheap and i promise you it tastes exactly like dirt <laughs> now those cheap brands the cheap brands i really do think though that you're going to have more exposure to mold the cheaper you go yeah, so I want to get into that actually right now because there are – so I think most people listening to this, myself included, does not pay $25 per bag. Like the – you know, there's there's a there's a return on investment here that you that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it, it, may, it, it may be reducing toxic load. It may uh, be um, preventing issues potentially if there is toxins in your coffee. But most people aren't going to notice or feel a difference by cleaning up their coffee. It's, it's, yeah, it's one thing you can do, but most people don't have the resources and it's just not worth it at $25 per 12 ounces. But there are tons of things you can do much cheaper that will help you clean up your coffee more than this $2.50 coffee that you mentioned. Um, so how do you determine like higher quality coffees? The, the very first thing, I, I'm going in order of importance here. So I think the, the first thing would be to get organic, get USDA organic. This will ensure that it is free of chemicals, pesticides, herbicides. None of that would have been used to grow and process this coffee. So the most important would be make sure it's organic. Second most important thing would be to make sure you're buying whole bean rather than ground. Like that makes a huge difference. Most ground coffee that's like packaged ground is basically stale by the time you even make your coffee. Even if you buy it fresh from the store, um, whole bean retains its freshness a lot longer. So I would never really under any circumstances buy coffee that's pre-ground. So that's the second most important thing. Third, make sure your coffee is 100% Arabica beans. There's two species, um, Arabica and Robusta. Robusta is a much cheaper and, and um, easier to process coffee. It's, mas- it's mainly used for like instant coffee but some brands will mix Arabica and Robusta beans together to cut on cost, but it is a much lower grade of coffee. So make sure it says on the packaging, 100% Arabica beans. Next thing you can do to ensure higher quality is that it discloses the origin, um, the origin region from where it's from. So it'll say like Starbucks does this. It'll say like Brazil, Kenya, Sumatra, Guatemala, it will name like the region that, that it, it was grown in. So another good thing, the, the flavor description. So there will be some that say like uh, it's nutty, hints of chocolate, floral. That's kind of one way to describe flavor. Another way to describe mm-hmm. flavor is donut shop. <laughs> if like if that's yeah. your flavor of coffee is donut shop, like avoid <laughs> that coffee. It um, It's just a, a very strong sign of a, a low quality coffee. Well, and they, they may even have, if it's ground, they may add flavorings and, and crap. A lot do. A lot add a lot add artificial flavorings. Some Starbucks uses a natural flavoring a little bit better than artificial. 
but most flavored coffees um, have artificial flavorings in them. So yeah, basically covering these categories like whole bean, Arabica, country of origin, and flavor descriptors. If you're if you get these four and cover these, you're you're going to end up with a decent mid grade coffee. And this is something. This is where Starbucks would fall under. It would fall under this category. It's not top of the line, but it's not it's not bad coffee by any means. It's a it's a a, a solid mid grade coffee. Now, if you really want to take it to the to the next level and get like super high quality coffee, three more things you can look at is will does it have a roast date on the label? Because some labels will tell you when they roasted it. Um, if it tells you the processing method of how it was roasted is another thing. And third, if it tells you the farm specifically where it came from, um, these are more like high end <laughs> hipster coffees, but there are a few in stores, like even at Meyer or a Walmart that you could find that would have all of this on it. Um, and again, these ones will be a little more expensive, mm -hmm. but Basically, just to summarize that, like your average person drinking coffee, you just want a good cup of coffee. You don't want to pay a ton of money. You you drink it every morning. And you just want a decent cup of coffee. Get whole bean, 100% Arabica, something that has a country of origin on it, like Brazil, Kenya, or Sumatra. And make sure the, the flavor is not something like donut shop, but that it has actual descriptors of the flavor, like nutty or chocolatey. Um, do those four things and, and you're going to end up with a pretty solid, um, bag of coffee. Yeah. Well, I hope that answered, uh, the questions for all those that asked, um, that, that was, we'll put links in the show notes to some stuff that we talked about. We have a couple more questions. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, we have a couple more. Where do you want to go to next? Uh, how someone asked how much is too much coffee? And I'm sure by asking this, the main uh, question is caffeine, like how much is too too much caffeine? And uh, to answer this, you know, it really it varies by person, but there are two things in coffee that you don't want to overconsume, and that is caffeine and acid. Um, so starting with caffeine, uh, as you know, excess caffeine causes jitteriness. It can cause your heart to race fast. Um, some people are also have a stomach that is very sensitive to caffeine. So you can get a, an upset stomach by consuming some or excess caffeine. Yep. Obviously it also affects your sleep. So if you drink it later in the day, it can disrupt your sleep. Caffeine has a, a half-life of around six hours, meaning it takes six hours for half of the amount to deplete from your body. Another six hours. You'll, so after six hours, you'll have 50% of the caffeine left in you. After 12 hours, you'll have 25% of the caffeine left in you and so on. Now, six hours, that's subject to persons. Um, some people metabolize caffeine very fast. So maybe the half-life for certain people can be four hours. The half-life for other people can be eight hours. So it depends on the person. And you likely know, just based upon your experience, whether you metabolize caffeine slow or fast. Um, but just be aware of that. Don't drink it too close to bedtime. Um, another concern with caffeine is that it's a diuretic and basically that just means it makes you pee a lot. Same with alcohol. So like one concern that some people have is that like, can you drink so much coffee that you actually get dehydrated because you're, you know, you're still drinking water, but the caffeine's making you pee and you pee out a lot of the water. And this is unlikely to be a concern. Uh, one study showed that even with five cups of coffee, uh, you would still be adequately hydrated at that point. Yeah, the water the water intake is hydrating you more than 
than the negative effects of the, the diuretic impact right. of coffee. Right. So those are the concerns with caffeine, but base, if you don't have those symptoms, like if you're not jittery, a racing heart, if your stomach doesn't hurt, if your sleep's not disrupted and, um, yeah, as long as those three things are covered, then, then you're okay on, on a caffeine end and you're not consuming too much. Um, one quick thing to note with caffeine that is may, may be helpful is that darker roasts of coffee actually have less caffeine than lighter roasts. Most people think the opposite, but light roasts are jacked with caffeine. They have a ton of caffeine in them. So if you want to lighten your caffeine load, drink a darker roast. So then the, the second thing with potentially drinking too much coffee is the acid. So coffee is fairly acidic, which can be another reason that coffee upsets your stomach or that you may have acid reflux after drinking coffee. Um, different coffees have different acidity levels depending where in the world they were grown. Um, coffees with lower acidity. So if, if it does give you an upset stomach due to the acidity, there are coffees with higher and lower acidity. Again, darker roasts are typically lower acidic, lighter roasts are typically very acidic. So some dark roasts that are very low acidity are things like Sumatra, Peru, and Guatemala. I, I personally drink and prefer uh, a Sumatra roast. It's a dark roast and um, it's the least acidic and it has the least amount of caffeine. So I think that's one good, uh, you know, if, if you love light roast, drink it, but dark roasts are typically, I guess, the healthier option or the, the least likely to cause any issues. But basically just to wrap it up, like, if, if you're not having issues from too much caffeine, if you're not having an upset stomach from acid, then like you're probably fine. Like you're not over consuming coffee. I personally have like two or three cups a day. I used to have just like one, but since being in quarantine, I, or since working from home, I just kind of drink it all morning. But yeah, how much is too much? I, it depends on yourself, but uh, it's kind of, it, as long as you don't have these symptoms, then you're probably okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, good question. All right, another question we got was uh, comparing the health benefits of coffee versus tea. So let's start with the similarities. So both tea and coffee contain caffeine. Black tea probably contains about uh, half the caffeine as coffee. So a cup of coffee probably has about 80 to 90 migs of caffeine. You yeah, say that's about mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And then black tea probably has about 40 to 50 megs. Yeah, I think um, black tea, yeah. Yeah. So both will offer, you know, the benefits of caffeine, both contain antioxidants, primarily polyphenols, um, each, you know, each contain kind of different antioxidants. They kind of have their own antioxidant profile that each are going to have their own benefit. Um, like there is some research that, uh, the antioxidants in tea, uh, may have a, a cancer preventative effect. Um, so, but both, both are going to have some sort of antioxidants in them. So those, that's what's similar. Now, one thing that's different about tea is the L-theanine content. So L-theanine is an antioxidant that promotes relaxation. It, it actually activates alpha brain waves, which produce a relaxed, uh, yet alert state of mind. So, so some coffee drinkers, ironically enough, uh, will, will drink coffee and then take an L-theanine supplement to counteract the jitters or, or sometimes that hyper state that coffee may produce. Um, but tea is nice because it has caffeine uh, and L-theanine. So it, it really is a nice 
combo. You can get the effects of caffeine, not as much because it's not as much caffeine as coffee, but you get the caffeine, the benefits of caffeine with with the relaxing impact of L-theanine. So for somebody that is sensitive to caffeine, I think, you know, tea uh, may be a great option. Another benefit to tea is that it doesn't stain your teeth. Uh, If you drink a lot of coffee and you don't brush your teeth afterwards, that can stain your teeth. I mean, in the end, I think both are good. It just kind of depends on what you're looking for from a cognitive effect. These will have a slightly different impact on your cognitive function. Caffeine, you're going to be more, a little, maybe a little more hyper, where where the L-theanine in the black tea is going to offset that uh, in tea. Uh, both antioxidant profiles are good for you, like coffee. You know, there's been some research on reduced risk of Parkinson's, diabetes, heart disease. Tea may have potential cancer prevention, kidney stones. Um, so yeah, it kind of depends. In the end, uh, both are good. Kind of depends on what you're looking for from both a cognitive effect and a, uh, a health effect. All right, we're going to end, I think, on this question here, and that is, what is the best way to prepare coffee? And um, I'd love to go deep on the different methods here and, and geek out on it, but we'll keep this short and to the point. I think the, the things you want to avoid in making coffee is a Keurig and like a normal drip coffee maker made of plastic. Both of those, is, it's nearly impossible to make good tasting coffee. Um, one, because the, the brew method, like the Keurigs, how it brews, it's like in a, in a little plastic cup and just makes crappy coffee. And then like in a drip coffee maker, most of them are made of plastic and that plastic taste gets into the coffee. Um, and just the duration of how it's brewed is not proper. So those aren't great. Um, some people aren't picky, but those will not make the best coffee. In my opinion, the best and most simplest way to make coffee, something anybody can do, even if you've never crafted coffee yourself, is doing a pour-over coffee. You can do this with, with a single cup. Um, what what pour-over coffee is, is essentially you have a cone at the top of a mug, essentially with a filter, and you literally pour, you, you boil hot water in a kettle, and you literally pour it over the grounds, and the water pours through the cone into the mug below that's so basically you're doing what a coffee maker does just manually it's called pour over coffee you can do this as a single cup with a hario v6 v60 yeah that's what i use that's what you use Mm -hmm. um or you can do if you want to make multiple cups at once a chemex a chemex is like a if you've seen one of those uh like science beaker type looking things where it's just like glass uh structure that's what a chemex is same concept as pour over you can just it's just a bigger container at the bottom so you can make a lot more at once um so these are two pour over methods um you can get generic versions of these on amazon for pretty cheap just make sure that you're getting it made of make sure it's made of either glass or ceramic and not plastic i know a lot of the like single cup pour overs are made of plastic but a glass or cer- a ceramic one will not distort the taste. Um, but the reason these are so good is that one, it, it is made with glass and ceramic, very clean. It also just makes a very smooth and well-balanced coffee. It will get rid of a lot of the acidity. And it's just the most like, it's it's uh, the best method that is just a crowd pleaser. Like everybody who just likes a, a, a plain cup of coffee, this is the best way to do it. Um, two just quick pointers. Use filtered water. That will make a big difference on how your coffee tastes. 
And like mentioned before, use whole beans and grind them right before making your coffee. Don't grind them, let them sit for, for a few days and then use them, grind them, use them that same morning. Um, and then where to store your coffee beans don't store them in the in the fridge or freezer. I know a lot of people do this, but that actually has a worse impact on your coffee beans. Just keep them in an airtight, airtight, like opaque container. So that's a good way to make coffee. There's actually a tutorial of a, a coffee channel on YouTube that does some really good videos over coffee. And it's a tutorial on how to make um, a very good pour over. So if you want to watch his method, I, I use his method. It works very well. So if you want to learn how to make that, um, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, thank you for everybody that asked questions like this. Um, there, there were really good questions. All right. Um, I think that's it, uh, man, this went longer than I expected, but hopefully, hopefully y'all took something away from it. If you did rate us on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, um, we have a newsletter. If you want to kind of get little tidbits from the episode or, you know, random thoughts that, that we have, um, you can subscribe on our website, labratspodcast.com, or you can follow us on Instagram at labratspodcast. Have a great week, y'all.